Hello everybody and welcome back to Straight Outta Cloyne 2.0 with me, your host, of course, Joseph Dylan Turl and all that great stuff. Hope everyone is keeping well in this lovely, lovely weather we're having at the moment, especially here in Ireland. It is absolutely fucking roasting and that is something that I try not to complain about but then again, I like to complain about a lot. And that's why today, as you can probably tell, the format of this episode is a little bit different there's no music in the background. There's no... There's going to be no wrestling promo at the end of this. This is essentially my promo. This is my shoot promo. And you're probably thinking, Oh God, is there some drama in the wrestling world that I'm about to unleash upon you? None at all. Absolutely none at all. This is a shoot towards something that I've actually spoke about on here previously. So I'm going to have to apologize for two things as well before I get into it. First of all, I apologise if there's any background noise. I have I have my fan on in the background, which I've recently purchased. It is too goddamn warm in this room for me to record without having it on. So, just going to have to deal with it. But the second thing I'm going to have to apologise for is the people who come on here for a good time, for a bit of a laugh, and for a bit of entertainment. Now, some of you might still find this episode entertaining. But this is an episode that is almost a receipt for a previous episode I did. So... Some of you may remember, if you've been listening to the show for a certain period of time, that a few weeks ago, well, actually a couple of months ago now, I did an episode which I believe the name of the episode was called An Insult of Intelligence, and in brackets it said Expect Tears. Now, that was the most insider of inside references you will ever, ever hear in your life. And I would say that 95% of the people, well, actually, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe... 75% of the people who listened to the episode probably didn't understand that reference. But to the percentage that did, they were not exactly thrilled with it. Now, this was by design. That episode was made to annoy a few people. And it was very, very much intentional. With that said, there was a couple of people who were not best pleased with this episode. And even though they didn't come directly and tell me, you know, like an actual friend would do. They decided to wait until I went to them after ignoring me for a week. And they told me that uh, they didn't think it was a great idea for an episode. It made them feel a bit uncomfortable. And I did feel quite bad at the time. I really did. And I thought that, look, out of respect for these two people who essentially were two co-workers who got me through a bad time in my previous job, which I'm going to get into today. I thought, out of respect for them, I'll take down the episode. And I apologised both over uh, the phone, via DMs, and also uh, in person the last time I saw them. But here's the thing about respect. Respect is a two-way street. And it works both ways. And the great thing about apologies is that you can always take them back. And that's essentially what this episode is. So on that last episode that I just spoke about there, well, not the last one, but the the one I referenced a few minutes ago about um, the insult of intelligence expect tears, that was a very subtle, but not so subtle, uh, beat around the bush style episode where I was referencing some things that were going on with my my employer at that time. I have since left this employment and uh, I have to say, one of the best decisions I've ever made because I have been... I felt like I was a shadow of my former self whilst I was in that job. And I'll tell you what, this show, the quality of this show definitely dipped. Because I was so fucking stressed off my game. Absolutely, unbelievably stressed. And it was definitely affecting life away from the workplace. And there's a lot that I want to talk about today. You know, I remember my granddad saying to me before, Dylan, when you leave a toxic environment... Make sure they hear you leaving. And make sure you go out swinging. And that's what I'm doing today. So to give a bit of context as to why I'm doing this episode now, and talking about the things I'm talking about now, there's a couple of reasons, but one of the main ones being that the people I just referenced there, I left that job back in uh, May, and I decided that, you know, as bad as terms are with certain people in this job, there was a couple of people there who I, you know, had been on very good terms with, as I mentioned earlier, had a lot of respect for them. I thought there was that mutual respect there. And I sent them a message to kind of, you know, say my farewells and, you know, hopefully maybe stay in touch in the future. 
And I was thinking uh, the other day when I was listening to an old episode I did talking about door-to-door sales. You know, sometimes I like to listen back to episodes I had so much fun recording just to look for a bit of inspiration for a style of episode. And I was listening to that episode and it got me thinking about like, you know, some of the interesting times I had in door-to-door sales and how even though I wasn't exactly loving the job, it definitely taught me a lot about myself and I definitely learned and grew a lot from my time in door-to-door sales. And then I was kind of thinking about the past experience I had in my last job. And I said, fuck, you know, I might actually reach out to the gang just see how, just to see how things are. Like, has has it gotten any better since I left? Like, what's the environment like now? What's the, the new guy like who has now taken over from my role? Just out of curiosity and, you know, just be nice to catch up a bit. And then I see that the contact essentially has been blocked off. And people will say like, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, that shouldn't be a big deal. But I'm not even, like... I wasn't even, like... I've had experiences like that where I've been quite sad. This one, I think, just royally fucked me off. This just royally fucked me off. So, obviously, the only thing I'm not going to mention here are people's names and the name of the company. Now, a lot of you out there know me personally. So you'll know what the crack is. And you've already heard this from me in person or, you know, over voice messages and whatnot. But some of you don't know me. Uh, Listen, all I can say is people know that the name I use on here is a variation of my my real name. And let's say on certain websites like LinkedIn, you won't find me as Joseph Dylan Turrell. You'll find me under a different name. Some of you will know it, some of you won't. But the majority of you, I think, will. So there are ways and means of finding out who and where I'm talking about. But, you know, I'll I'll leave that for people to, to find out if they want. So this job is a job I started back in October. Now, to give a bit of background to this as well, I have essentially been in sales the majority of my adult life. And that's been both a blessing and a curse. Obviously, I started with door-to-door sales, as I mentioned earlier. I eventually went into office sales and I've sold almost every type of product imaginable. I have spoken to nearly any t- every type of person imaginable from all different backgrounds, cultures, religions, races, you name it. I've probably spoken to someone in certain categories. And I told myself when I went to college to do the acting course, which was uh, uh, September 2021. I told myself before I started that course, no matter how this goes, whether I become a famous Hollywood actor like The Rock or whether I never, ever do a bit of acting again after this, I am not going back to sales. That was the one thing I told myself. And luckily, when this course ended and I went back into full-time employment, the first job I got straight out of college, straight out of college 2.0, literally, because it was my second spell in college, I actually didn't get a sales role. I got a different type of role, and I actually loved it. It was a chicken fillet role. Okay, sorry. I had to... I, someone someone else was going to say it there, but I got a different um, job role. And... It was great. It was in a lovely part of Cork City. It was a really cool and vibrant office. There were so many great people. I got to work with a lot of people from Brazil, Nigeria, Spain. There was people from all over the world. Like, I was actually one of the few people from Cork in there, which actually made me kind of enjoy it a bit more. Like, it's amazing that because there wasn't as many people from Cork, I actually, and Ireland in general, I actually think I had a bit more fun because it was all different cultures and it was great and there's still some people I keep in touch with to that job uh, from that job to this day and it was absolutely fucking brilliant it really was a great experience um listen things happened there that uh unfortunately led to me leaving but that was not a decision that uh I took lightly because I had a great relationship with my manager Shout out to uh, to Eamon, he's a a great guy, despite the fact he's a Liverpool fan. Me and him had had a really good rapport and uh, a really good relationship. I, I, you know, I had so many fond memories and I was really, really dreading the thought of leaving. But essentially, a lot of lies were told from the higher ups. The higher ups were actually over in America and uh, things just kind of, things went a bit sour unfortunately and the the hours changed an awful lot it was just it wasn't going to be feasible or possible for me to do those hours so i had to leave it was what it was and uh another job came up ironically in the same building as i was before and this job was a sales role which i remember at the time being like like i don't know i don't know if this is going to be good for me but look i know that i can't stay in this current role with the hours so let's give it a chance let's see what happens 
Now, for the first few months, I think everything was actually pretty okay. I think everything actually went quite well, and there were some good times. There was some, uh, th- th- you know, there was some laughs. There was some, some positives. But I noticed a change after Christmas, and it's amazing. One employer, excuse me, one employee was the difference. One employee made a huge difference. So I hope I don't trigger any emotional memories for people here, but. Anyone out there who might have experienced bullying growing up, right? Thankfully, I didn't have it as bad as some other people did. But I had, of course, some experiences with it. Remember, try and take yourself back to to those days where if you were being bullied in school, like I know some people who were relentlessly bullied and it really, really, you know, affected these people as they, you know, grew up and and matured in life. Um, But remember how it felt when that bully didn't come into school that day. And how much happier it made you. And how it made your day that this one person wasn't there. And then remember the times that bully would be in school. And you'd be, you know, dreading going in. You'd feel so uncomfortable throughout the day. You'd feel, you'd feel so small. You know what I mean? Like, we're all small when we go to school. But you get what I mean. Like, you know, it would make you feel like such a... Like, almost like you weren't as important as everyone else. Now take all those traits the bully had and put it into a 22-year-old man. That's what I had to fucking deal with for, what, six months, I think it ended up being. Or maybe five months. So I had this one co-worker who, at first, I actually thought seemed pretty alright. The only kind of issue I had with him at first was that he had a habit of repeating himself. You know, people just feel like they have to ask you the same question over and over again. And it can get quite frustrating. That was, like, the only issue I had. And I thought, like, this is actually great. Like, you know, he had some similar interests. He definitely tried to pretend he had more similar interests than he actually did to me. But that's neither here nor there. Well, it did become uh, it did become here or there towards the end. But this was all fine. Now, keep in mind, despite the fact this person worked in the company longer than I did, I not only had been in sales longer than this person, but I'm also a few years older than this guy. But Jesus Christ, it was like having... My dad be at work constantly. The amount of times he would speak down to me. The amount of times he spoke down to everybody. And the thing is, I definitely probably took it the worst out of everyone. Because I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Where there's someone out there who you just can't fucking stand. And you have to see them quite regularly throughout your work day. Or, you know, they might live down the road from you or whatever. So you have to see them quite regularly. But you're not exactly a big fan of them. But they seem to think that you and this person are the best of friends. This is essentially what I was dealing with. Now, when I say this guy's head was so far up the manager's ass that he couldn't decide whether he was going left or right, that is probably the biggest understatement of the year. Oh, these guys were bros. Absolute bros. And they fucking... Like, honestly, like, listen, it's 2023. People can do what they want, but... uh. You know, one of them one of them is married, the other one, I assume, is a heterosexual. Like if if things were a bit different there, they would be a, a match made in heaven. They would be a match made in heaven, let me put it to you that way. But, you know, things after Christmas started taking a bit of a turn, and when you've got a co-worker who is constantly speaking down to you, even though they have no authority over you, and it it culminated with one incident. One incident that I actually spoke about a little bit on here before. So me and this guy went into a room together. Now, that makes me sound, after what I was just talking about, it sounds a little bit suggestive. But we went into a room together to do a call with a guy in America, because that was part of the the job description, was we set up meetings with people. And I'd gotten the news before uh, this call that my brother was actually in hospital. Now, my brother is, you know, he is a very sensitive child. And essentially, he had been experiencing a bit of bullying, and it culminated with him... Uh, having an incident where he bro- he ended up breaking his wrist. Now, my brother Sean was on his way to the hospital, and you know I'm I'm dealing with this, and I'm obviously worried about him because he's you know he's nine years old. I I like I've seen Sean you know graze his knee and be in excruciating pain, so I can't imagine how he's experiencing you know a potential broken wrist. And this fucking idiot, this fat fucking lump of shit who I had to deal with for the best part of six months, tells me well. 
when this happened, you didn't even know his wrist was broken. Okay, Einstein. He's in excruciating pain, clutching his wrist on his way to the hospital. Doesn't take a fucking genius to work out that it's probably fucking broken, you dumb fucking shit. Like, you know when people really, like, scrape the bottom of the barrel to make things sound better for themselves? That's what this guy was the fucking best in the world at. Call him CM Punk, because he was the best in the world. But anyways, this was happening, and I am quite a... I, I like to be quite a jolly person to be around, and uh, I love to have a laugh, and I love to... You know, it's it doesn't take a lot. If I'm in a good mood, it doesn't take a lot to, you know... Doesn't get it, doesn't take a lot to give me an excuse to let out a hearty laugh. And this guy is constantly making jokes to make me laugh. And first he goes, Stop laughing. And I think he's, I think he's joking. I think he's like, You know, when you're in school and you're making someone laugh, you're like, Hey, stop laughing, come on, but you're kind of laughing as well. That's what I think is happening at this stage. And next thing he says, He's like, Stop laughing. And I'm kind of getting confused. I'm like, He seems to be getting annoyed. And then he says it again, like, stop laughing. And then I said to him, then why the fuck are you cracking jokes, oh? If you don't want me to fucking laugh, what are you cracking jokes for? And then he looks a bit shocked. And he tries to make out to everyone in the office that, oh, jeez, I set Dylan off there and, oh, we were having a great laugh. It's like, no, no, no. You made me laugh so that you could give out to me for laughing. And now you're acting like this was all some big fucking joke. Not one question about how my brother was. He actually said to me, I forgot to put this part, uh, to... To um, to talk about this part of the story, he says to me, "Oh, uh, you know, can can you not uh, deal with it after the call?" So according to him, this call with this guy in America who didn't even turn up in the end was more important than my brother on his way to the hospital. Like, talk about a, an absolute fucking asshole! What an absolute fucking dick move! And especially when, like, this guy would constantly tell me about his mother was having some health issues, which I absolutely don't wish on anybody. And, of course, I hope that she can deal with those issues as best as she possibly can and come out the other side of it. Like, absolutely. But for him to fucking treat me like that when he knew my brother was on his way to the hospital with a broken wrist, or suspected broken wrist, I suppose, for the more exact term, but then to constantly fucking tell me about some of his family members' health issues then. Like, go fuck yourself. And it'll sound even more hypocri- hypocritical towards the end. Now, for a while, I didn't tell anybody in the office about this. Because I had to deal with this guy talking down to me every fucking two seconds, acting like he's Billy fucking Big Bollocks. But then, away from work, he'd be texting me away as if we were best friends. And he did this one thing that fucking just always fucking irritates me. Is these people who were wrestling fans when they were younger. And, you know, have at most a passing interest when they get older. Like, that's not the problem. But they try and talk to you like they know just as much as you do about the thing you're passionate about. And he'd be trying to talk to me about wrestling. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck. Like, he made it clear every fucking time he opened his fat fucking mouth. That he hadn't a clue what he was on about. And that was made clear on more than one occasion. At least four or five occasions. Now that mightn't sound like a big deal to some people, but again, try and try and think about it this way. Imagine dedicating your life to something and being so passionate about something to the point where it's gotten you through so many tough times in life. And then you end up getting involved in that industry. And you have so many cool, you know, memories that you make from getting into that industry. And then you have this fucking know-it-all who knows nothing try and go, oh no, I actually know more about it, even though I actually know fuck all. Like, it's 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 one of the things that just gets to me the most when people feel like they have to act like they know everything about everything. Like, I'm quite, like, passionate about my knowledge when it comes to things like wrestling, Manchester United, MMA, like, combat sports, just in general. Because those are the things I'm passionate about. But if I don't know something about anything outside of those, then I'll openly admit that, like, I don't need to know everything about everything. Like, I love watching ice hockey, I love watching the NHL, but I'm not going to sit here and claim that I'm an expert on it, and there's definitely people I know, like, I've got Canadian friends and even American friends who are big into hockey. Like, they could school me when it comes to NHL knowledge, and I have no shame in admitting that. But I still enjoy watching the sport, and I don't need to try and act like I don't... Or, sorry, that I, that I know as much as these guys do, who've dedicated probably their whole lives to it. 
You know, it's just it's just one of these things. But eventually, after a while, you know, I was kind of for ages. I was like, I don't, I, I didn't want to tell anyone, tell any, tell anyone. Easy for me to say in the office about this because. I thought this guy seemed fairly well liked and obviously he'd been there a bit longer and I thought, hmm, like, you know, am I just going to bring a bit of heat on myself here? And I finally end up opening up to the two people who I started this job with, who I referenced earlier. And they were having the same issue. And I remember, like, not, not being happy that they were having the same issue as me, but kind of being like, okay, I'm not the only one who sees it. Like, other people can see it as well. And then it came out that people who still work with that company and who've known this guy since day dot have all pretty much have the same opinion. Like, I can't give away the guy's name. For the, for the sake of the next sentence, I'm going to say, let's give him a code name. Let's call him Chris. And there actually is a guy named Chris who works for this company. But just to clarify, it's not that Chris. <laughs> I've just, I literally, I've got a lot of autobiographies behind me. And I was like, let me take one of these guys' names. Okay, let's say Michael instead. Because I feel bad saying Chris when there actually is someone named Chris there. But let's just say this guy's name is Michael. And I had one co-worker say to me, Michael could wipe his ass with his hand and everyone would still tell him he's amazing. And by everyone, I mean the higher-ups, the manager, who I'll get onto as well in a bit because uh, he's an interesting character as well. But I had trouble with this co-worker for so fucking long and I find out other co-workers are having the same issue and I start opening up to people about it and yeah, there was some tension in the office but I'm not going to sit back here and say that I caused the tension which I think has become a bit of a, a myth that's gone gone out there now about this uh, about this situation if I'm gonna be spoken to like that by some fucking absolute fat cunt who has no authority over me then I'm not gonna just sit back and go yeah okay like you know that's just cause he's passionate about this job like dude get a fucking life like what did he say to me one time he was like this is my dream job and like listen who am I to judge people's dreams but to say your dream job is an office, an office job that pays decent money, you know, especially, I suppose, at the cost of living, it was decent money, with, uh, you know, a commission structure that's fairly flawed. But to be fair, that's more sales companies. Like, commission in sales is just... Uh, I don't think I've ever seen commission in a company that I've worked for when it comes to sales that's actually been fair. Like, it seems quite, uh, you know, people, they say competitive commission, or, um, commission, but, or, uh, not competitive, sorry, uh, uncapped commission is what I should say. Competitive salary is what I should have said. But, you know, the, the amount of hoops you have to jump through to get it, and even then, you're not going to get it straight away. Like, it's, it's, you know, that's neither here nor there, but, like, to say that's your dream job, when he's younger than me, and he takes it so seriously, but to a fault... Like, I've seen people take jobs seriously, you know, in in, man- in your managerial roles or, you know, CEO roles. And I'm like, okay, like, they take it seriously, but not, it's not life and death to most of them. But here we have, you know, employee number four treating this like it's his, you know, it, like it's his business. Treating people like shit, but then wanting to be their friend outside of work, like... No, like, that, that's, that, for me, that's one of the most fucking shitty things you can do, is treat someone like absolute crap at work, but then want to be their friend outside of work. And he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. But I had these two co-workers, yes, my voice did just crack, I had these two other co-workers who I uh, started with, I started this role with them, who were having the exact same issue. And then it turns out everyone else is having the same issue. And after a while, I'm like, look, I can't do this anymore, like, I have to say this to the, to the manager. And this is where I'm going to slightly bring the attention onto the manager. So I bring the issue up to him. And to be fair, at the time, I thought, okay, like, he actually listened to me. And I thought that, Jesus, like, he didn't interrupt me. He let me speak. He let me get everything out that I needed to get out. And I thought, like, Jesus, like, that's actually, um, that's actually quite refreshing. And I had a good relationship with this man for the best part. For for the most part, I should say. Like, for for, for the best part of uh, seven months, I actually had... A decent relationship with this manager. More than decent. But eventually, the mask does start to slip. And that wool that was being pulled over your eyes, yeah, you're pulling that right off. And this, I think, was the beginning of that. So this was around February time. And I remember bringing this issue up to the manager. And as I said, he listened, and it was all good or whatever. And to be fair, he didn't shit all over 
the call worker, which I did appreciate, because if he had done that, I would have been like, hmm, that's a bit of a red flag as well. And he asked me, would you like me to say it to him? And I said, yes, because you seem to have a good relationship with him, and maybe it'll solve things. Because I said, I don't want there to be an issue, but at the end of the day, there's only an issue there because he's causing it. And it's not just me who's feeling like this. So, for a while I thought the issue had been dealt with. I went on holidays uh, for a bit to Manchester, as I've spoken about on here. I went to see United play West Ham. And I also went to Bellator MMA as well uh, a few days before that. So I had a great week off. But I came back and that is when I did notice there was a lot of changes when it came to the atmosphere at work. And this is where I'm going to slightly turn the attention onto the manager. So, most of us out there have watched The Inbetweeners. And it's a great show. It's one of the few series I've actually watched from start to finish. It was absolutely fantastic because it's so relatable. And let's be honest. We all know a Jay. We all know someone who is so confident in the bullshit they spew that even they believe it. That is essentially who I had as a manager for the last seven months that I was, or for, for this, the seven month tenure I had with this company. The amount of bad advice, the amount of dick swinging that this man portrayed was on a level that I don't think I've ever seen before. Now, I'm very aware by doing this episode, by the way, that this is going to burn some bridges. But some of these bridges have already been burnt. And I'm rebuilding them so I can burn them again. And I've built so many, uh, I've burnt so many bridges that I'm pretty sure Chelsea have me barred from their stadium. Out of safety concerns. That's how many bridges I've burnt. But I don't burn them for no reason. So let me just talk about this, uh, th- this, this man. Or this little boy, I should say. So this is a married man. Touching 40. With a young child. But acts like a 20 year old. And that is not a good combination. It's really not. Like, I'm only 25. But being, being 25 and being 20, like fi- a lot can happen in five years. And you can grow up a lot in five years. And I certainly have. I'm nowhere near the same person I am now than I was when I was 20. Like, absolutely not. But this guy is nearly 40. And he acts like a complete fucking child. Because a lot of 20 year olds unfortunately act like children. Even though you're legally a grown adult. Or a grown ass man. But I don't even know where to start with this guy. But essentially the issue I was having with the co-worker. It culminated with uh, it culminated with me having a meeting with the manager and the co-worker. And oh my god. Before this meeting happened right. The reason the last episode where I discussed this in a beat around the bush sense, the reason that was called an insult of intelligence expect tears is because before this meeting, despite the fact that this co-worker had been treating me like shit for the best part of seven months, I was told to expect tears because he's very upset and he didn't know there was an issue. And then he followed it up by saying, I'm not trying to guilt trip you or anything, which is a clear sign that he is and that he was. And that was all, you know, let, let's you know, let's make him feel a bit bad now for, for, for fat ass over here. So that, you know, it looks good for him. And then I was explaining how the relationship I had with the other people in the office was, we used to take the piss out of each other an awful lot. Ask anybody who I'm close with or anybody who I'm close with who's listening to this can, you know, can, can, can vouch for me for what I'm about to say here. I love just taking the piss out of my friends. And my friends love taking the piss out of me. Like it is... We know, like, there's nothing personal involved in it. There's nothing to be taken to heart. It's all a bit of banter. And that's the relationship I had with the rest of the people in this office. Like, there was a lot of laughs, a lot of piss-taking. And my manager told me that he thinks sometimes it goes too far and that these people are insulting my intelligence. And I asked him, because I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, can you give me an example of... Of a time where you think my uh, intelligence was insulted. And this fucking genius tells me, well, I don't really have any examples. So I'm like, okay, let's unpack that a little bit. You are a manager of this company. I sat next to you three days a week in that office, because two days we worked remotely. 
and you saw what you thought was people insulting my intelligence and taking the piss out of me in a not-so-friendly way, you saw this with your own two eyes in front of you and decided to do nothing about it. And I've opened up to a few people about this and I, I asked, you know, for some feedback. And they all said... So essentially, he let one of his co-workers get what he thought bullied, for lack of a better term, but he did nothing about it. And he only brought it up to me when I had an issue with his golden boy. And then I felt like he's almost tried causing a rift between me and the people I get on with in this company in order to, to have fat ass save face. And I'm there like, not, not one example. I don't know if any of you saw that interview that Elon Musk did with the BBC um, not too long ago, where the interviewer is asking Elon Musk about, you know, Twitter's new features, such as the For You page, similar to what TikTok have. And he was saying that since this feature has come in, the interviewer said to Elon Musk, uh, he's seen a lot more offensive content. And Elon Musk asked him, can you give me an example? And the interviewer could not give him one example. And Elon Musk was just there like, not even one example. Like, you can't even give me one off the top of your head. Which is a pure sign that someone is lying. Another sign that someone is lying. So after, you know, I had this talk with the manager, me, Faras, and the manager have a meeting. And he says to me, like, you know, I give my side of the story. Faras gives his side of the story. But Faras gives a line that I'll, I'll give it to him. It was a good line, but at the wrong time. He says... So, Dylan, there's there's your side of the story, there's my side of the story, and in the middle there's the truth. And I was like, that is, that's a good line. I'll give him that. Like, that's a good line in, in certain debates. But I spoke to someone about this when it comes to... Someone who's involved in the, the world of psychology and, and psychiatric care. And they told me that that is something a liar would say. That is, some, that is something someone would say who is not confident enough in their own story that... They'll give a phrase like that, which, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a well-articulated sentence, but it's really trying to kind of, it, it's, it's like trying to seem more honest, even though you know that you're spewing a load of shit. So he gave his side of the story, but said, oh, but like, I'm kind of lying, you're kind of lying, and then there's the truth in the middle. And it's like, that's not, like, I'm confident in my story. Like, what happened is, what I'm saying is what happened. What, like, 100%. And I have no doubts about that. But whilst we're having this conversation, I, I hear I hear that and I, I start thinking about it afterwards then. And I'm like, so apparently now we, you know, I'm thinking that all the issues have been solved because at the very least we've spoke about it. But I'm thinking about how the manager has handled it. I'm thinking about how the manager has handled this whole situation. And all I could think about afterwards was, he didn't want an unbiased, balanced story. He wanted fat ass coming out smelling of roses. Because the amount of inconsistencies he had in his story. So, fat ass says to me at the start of this, like, Dylan, when I come into work, I just want to do my job. I don't want to get involved in personal matters. Even though on a daily fucking occurrence, he would tell me about all the fucking family stuff that was going on in his house, his mother's health issues, times his pet died, his pets died, He's telling me stuff about, you know, his friends and like what they got up to at the weekend. And I'm there like, so you do all this, but you don't want to get involved in personal matters. But then he says that he thought we were friends and we could, we could have these conversations. So he couldn't even keep his own argument fucking consistent. He couldn't even keep his own argument consistent. But this is the guy the manager stands up for. Like, this is unbelievable. And then this all happened on a Thursday and I like afterwards I'm thinking things have gotten solved but then I'm thinking about it more and I'm talking to more people about it and I'm going this hasn't solved anything. Like it is essentially oh I know that fat ass has acted like a dickhead. This is from the manager's perspective. I know that fat ass has acted like a dickhead but look I like him so just leave him off because he thinks you're friends. And next thing now this is serious enough and I don't want to trigger anything here for anyone because Panic attacks are not anything that I take lightly, but I'm thankful that in my life, I haven't... I can count on one hand how many panic attacks I've had. And the next day, I had a huge panic attack. Horrible pain in my chest. Horrible pain in my chest. And I ended up not going into work because I just... I, I couldn't... I, all my energy was just zapped. And it was all 
because of this whole situation. It had just gotten too much for me. And I remember saying to the two co-workers who I started with, like, you know, if you told, because this was, I told him this and this happened at the end of April. And I was like, if you told me a year ago when I was finishing up my college course that a year later I'd be back in sales, absolutely miserable, not enjoying you know, not not enjoying myself. You know, it's affecting my home life. It's making me. It's turning me into a person that I really, really don't like. I would have just been absolutely devastated. And here I am now, twelve months later, and 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 that's the case. And I'm just like, no, I, I can't do this anymore. And I think I knew that, like, I, I needed to step away for a bit and you know get some things clear in my head. But I went in that Monday, and the manager knows I'm not happy with him, and he knows the the shit. Like he he knows all the shit that's gone on, and he he knows why I had that panic attack. He knows exactly why. He knows it's all the shit that went on with fat ass. But as a lot of people will know, I do love to have an old cold beverage uh, of the monster energy genre. That makes no sense, but you get what I mean. But this guy tried blaming my panic attack on the amount of monster energy I drink. Now here's the thing, right? I don't drink Monster every day, but when I'm having to get up at the crack of dawn to go into work in an office that's, you know, about 40 minutes away from my house, I want to stay energized, and I don't like coffee. Thankfully, I don't take any drugs, so Monster is my source of caffeine. And at most, I'll have... I have one per day. When I have one, two at most. At most. So I wouldn't be blaming a panic attack or chest pains on one kind of monster. So to the manager who uh, blamed Monster Energy on the uh, panic attack. (sighs) Go fuck yourself. But anyways. I don't know if anyone out there has ever had someone who... Kind of similar to Jay and the Inbetweeners, as I said earlier. You know, sprouts so much bullshit, but does it so confidently that even they believe it. So take that, right? Take that, and put on top of it, people giving you the most horrendous advice. Which, to be fair, Jay actually did. When he tried to tell Simon how to, uh, you know, do whatever with the girl he was seeing. I, I'm trying to keep this as PG as possible. Well, no, I'm not, because I've swore about seven million times, but you get what I mean. Go back and watch the in-betweeners if you want to know what I'm on about. But I I went in that uh, that Monday, kind of knowing that look, I I I'm definitely gonna have to um to step away from here for a while. And I went into the morning meeting. So in these morning meetings, it would be a discussion about what we got up to the night before, or you know, because it was a Monday, what we got up to at the weekend. And I didn't really feel like having this conversation, but I you know I, I wanted to try, and I didn't want to make things any more awkward than they already were. And at this stage, I had been looking at some uh, pro wrestling seminars because a couple of schools up in Dublin were doing them, such as, you know, the School of Irish Wrestling and and Fight Factory Pro Wrestling. And I told the manager about this and he says to me, oh, so so you'd actually be like training, like wrestling and stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, there's like 10 week courses at Fight Factory. And obviously I know a lot of the Fight Factory guys. I was explaining that I've refereed some of their matches. I pretty much know all the guys at this stage, but I've refereed some of their matches uh, for RCW and for Phoenix in the past. So... I do have experience, you know, working with these guys. And my manager's bright idea was that for this seminar, you should ask him if they'll pay for your training. And I was looking at him with a very bewildered look. And I said, what do you mean I should ask them to pay for my training? And he's there like, oh, well, like, you know, clearly you're a big deal. Like, you've refereed their matches, like... Ask them like, if they'll pay for your training, like you're a good investment. And I'm like, okay. So, Fight Factory Pro Wrestling, who have had so many incredible, so much incredible talent come out of their school. Here's just a few names Fergal Devitt, aka Finn Balor, Paul Tracy, Phil Boyd, Katie Harvey, LJ Cleary, Becky Lynch, Jordan Devlin. A.K.A. J- uh, J.D. McDonough. Aoife Valkyrie over in NXT. That's just to name a few. Not not even mentioning the majority of amazing talents that are still wrestling for them at the moment. And all these guys either paid their way to training. Or. Paddy Morrow's another one. Or. They were the ones who 
trained over in England with NWA UK Hammerlock, came over to Ireland and brought the first wrestling school to the Republic. But I'm the one, apparently, according to this fucking numpty, I'm the one who they should be going, let's put a budget towards this guy because he's refereed a small percentage of matches we've had in our long, illustrious careers. Like, it's such bad advice. And the thing is, I said to him, I don't feel like having heat with the top people in Irish wrestling. I really don't. And thankfully I don't. I've got a great relationship with them. Phil and Katie, anytime they've been down in RCW, always been a pleasure to work with and a pleasure to speak with and hopefully I get to work with them more soon. But according to my manager, these people should be paying for my training. And I said that to him. I don't feel like having heat with the, the top people in, I- in Irish wrestling. And he says to me, you wouldn't have heat. Like, you'd just be asking. And I'm like, this motherfucker believes what he's saying. He is convinced what he's saying is right. I can't quite believe what I'm hearing. Now, thankfully, I have enough cop on to know that that would be a terrible idea. But here's the thing, right? Take wrestling out of the equation and let's put in another sport like football or, you know, hurling or or Gaelic football or rugby, uh, or not rugby, uh, yeah, rugby or, you know, um, American football or hockey, even other like martial arts, like combat sports, boxing, jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, kickboxing, Muay Thai. And imagine going in and saying, okay, let's use football as the example, right? Let's say you start football training and you, and you, say, you say to uh, the coach, Look, here's the thing, right? I have won 25 Champions League titles on FIFA. I took AFC Wimbledon from the lower divisions of English football to Premier League and Champions League winners. I think I'm a good investment. Would you mind paying for my training? Like, I'm trying to, like, picture this. I'm trying to picture myself going to Fight Factory and saying, like, I'm not... By the way, this is not me shitting on Phil Boyd, by the way. This is me... To, to, um, you know, telling what a great guy Phil is. So the first time I met Phil was at uh, Phoenix Wrestling's last uh, last ever show. That was the first time I met him. And th- throughout the day, we didn't really have many interactions just because it was it was a hectic day. Scotty Too Hotty was there. There was a lot going on. So Phil was someone who I didn't really get to speak to much apart from, um, you know, when we were going over... Uh, sorry, it wasn't the last Phoenix show. Sorry, this was the first RCW show. I didn't really get to see Phil a lot that day, but the couple of times I spoke to him, um, you know, it was it was just about the match and stuff. And at the next show, which was a few months later, I went up and said hi to Phil, and he couldn't remember who I was. But he felt so bad that he couldn't remember who I was. So like, you know, I, I'm not like this isn't me. I'm not like Phil didn't big league me. He was you could kind of tell he was like I feel like I've met you before, but I can't remember. Which, you know, I put in fairness to him, he was so cool about it. But, like, that's just, some, like, you know, I've gotten to know Phil a bit better, obviously, as time has gone on. And I haven't seen him now for a while. But, like, that's just an example of, you know, at that stage, the, the, the amount of interactions I'd had with Phil Boyd. But imagine me going up to Phil at one of these seminars, at the start of one of these seminars, and going, Phil, listen, you've trained with some of the greatest names to come out of this country, and you've helped rare some of the greatest names to come out of this country. But I've refereed a couple of your matches at RCW. I don't care that you've wrestled in Japan. I don't care that you're one of the biggest names on the scene. And I don't care how passionate you are about wrestling. I'm your investment. Forget Ross Brown. I'm now the investment of Cork. Pay for my training. I would be fucking laughed out of the room if not carried out on a stretcher. And imagine the lasting impression that would have. That fucker over there who asked us to pay. Like, what? It was such bad. I can't actually express enough what bad advice it was. It was so bad. Uh, But this was all in an attempt to get me to be okay with this manager who knew I wasn't happy with him. It's like, let me me try and fucking fuck up your whole situation on on the wrestling scene. Just so me and you can be on good terms. And let me blame the panic attack you had over this place on a can of monster. Which, once again... Go fuck yourself. But anyways, this all culminated with me going on stress leave for a bit, which I've opened up a little bit about on here. I got I wrote a doctor's note to take a few weeks stress leave, and uh, yeah, I was very bitter. 
I was very, very bitter. And uh, that obviously, you know, is what led to the, the uh, Insult of Intelligence episode, which obviously has since been taken down. But you want to know how many times anyone from the office reached out to me whilst I was on stress leave. And a lot of them knew I was on stress leave. A lot of them knew. You think maybe, oh, one or two. Zero. Zero. Not one message. Not one interaction. Absolutely nothing. You may as well call it Arsenal in the Champions League because there was absolutely nothing. And I wasn't like too upset over it, but at the same time it was like, well, look, a text would have been nice. Like if I had known someone who I was friends with in a company was on stress leave, first thing I'd do is go, hey, look, are you okay? At the very least, you kind of go, look, you know, hope you're doing okay and you know, give us a shout if you need anything. Now, unfortunately, this was kind of the beginning of the end for the people who I actually got on quite well with in that company. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure the episode did leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. But here's the thing, right? Anything I've said and everything I've said has not been out of spite. It's purely been truth. Purely been truth. I don't like the fact that things have ended up the way they did there. But, like, you know, I, I spoke about wrestling there earlier. Like, I've been relentlessly reminded on a daily basis that wrestling is fake. But the funny thing is, sales is a hell of a lot more fake than wrestling has ever been. Wrestling is scripted entertainment. Sales is fake backstabbing bullshit. No two ways about it. I've been trying to get out of that industry for God knows how long. Like, when you're in it, it's very hard to get out of it. And, like, that's just the way things have been. And I think this was, like, the final straw when it came to, to me in, in, in sales. It really was. And, as I said, this is burning a lot of bridges. But sometimes in life, you have to burn these bridges. Now, I only found out that people had an issue with this episode when I reached out to these people. So I'd reached out first uh, to kind of explain, you know, hey, like, you know, wonder how, wondering how the office was uh, whilst I was gone and just kind of giving an update on my status. And the two people who I'd opened up to quite a lot and people who'd opened up to me quite a lot, they had uh, essentially, they had distanced themselves a bit, which I, I get it to a certain extent, right? I do get it to a certain extent. But at the same time, why couldn't they have just said to me, we don't think that episode was a great idea. You know, may maybe, you know, maybe it was a bit too far. Which, of course, I would respect the, their opinion. And obviously, I, I felt bad that I made them feel that way. But at the same time, there was nothing stopping them from telling me that. The fact that I had to reach out to them multiple times to find out the answer. I, I, I don't think that was the, the right way of dealing with that. But that, hey, that's me. That's my opinion. Right? They obviously see it a different way. But... What's kind of sad now is that these people, for, in recent times, the contact has kind of been cut off or whatever. And look, I'm not overly surprised because as much as this company was sold uh, like a family, it's a lot more like a cult. That I have a great pun I could make with the name of the company, but obviously I'm not going to do that because, you know, I know that uh, I can only take this so far. But... What I would say to these to these people is people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. There is so much shit I have been told about that company. Things I didn't even see. For example, the manager who I spoke about earlier, right? Imagine being on a night out with your co-workers and your manager. And your phone goes missing. And the last person you see with the phone is your manager. And they know damn well they have it. And they go home with the phone. And they send a taxi out to give you back the phone the next day when you've been knocking on doors trying to get your phone back. And then magic, excuse me, magically, the next work day, which was Monday, oh, the manager is uh, ringing in, uh, not ringing in sick, but rings in to say they won't be in because of a family emergency. Imagine that. What would you do in that situation? 
Would you stay quiet out of fear for your job? Or would you go, fuck that shit. That is quite creepy. And maybe should have gone a bit further. That's my take on it. I also know that uh, he said that I essentially was hired because it couldn't just be all young women that were getting hired. And another thing is, I uh, I have a lot of respect for women. I have a lot of respect for things that women go through that men can't go through. I don't think I can say the same thing for my manager. I think some of like the way some of the ways he spoke about women is actually quite disgusting, and that's something that uh, I don't even want to get into too much. But I saw this and experienced this. I also heard from other people things he'd been saying, and uh, that's something that you know. Hopefully, he won't pass down to his kids. But anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. But it's just something else to keep in mind. So yeah, 51 minutes in. I think that's where I'm going to call an end to this uh, shoot interview. I, you know, like, I, I didn't want it to come to this. And these are not the type of episodes that I like doing. But at the same time... Like, let's call a spade a spade. Like, this was an absolute fucking hellhole of a workplace. You know, I, I remember someone saying to to one of the people I started with, um, oh, like, it looks like you have so much fun. Like, I, I'd love to work with you. Yeah, it's amazing how you can look at something on the surface and then realize that there's a lot of things you don't see that are behind closed doors. Now, listen, sales is a roller coaster, and I was just another passenger on the ride. Like, the ride's going to keep going. And more people are going to get on and off of it. So, like, this isn't going to change anything. But I just thought this would be worth mentioning, considering that, as I say, a lot of those bridges have been burned. Listen, to the people who want to act all high and mighty now and, and, and you know, act like I'm I'm a villain and that, you know, I'm the one who the, the contact needs to be cut off with, fine. But as I said, people in glass houses should not throw stones. And remember that the next time this fucking twat of a manager... Is licking your holes when you know the shit he's gotten up to. Anyways, that will do it for Straight Outta Clown 2.0 this week. Hope you enjoyed me going on a rant. And this will not be the norm going forward. But sometimes these things just need to be said. Monday, I'll try and get another episode out. A bit more positive. Uh, I'm looking to have a former uh, wrestling trainee on here. The one that got away. uh, The legend himself, Eddie Nero. Uh, Hopefully he'll be on here soon, and uh, that should be a much more fun and interesting one. But, yeah, that's all I really have to say right now. Till next time, hope you all have a great weekend, and uh, don't take shit from anyone. Don't take shit from anyone. And always remember who your real friends are, because when you realize that, life gets so much easier. Thanks and goodbye.